I'm over here now. I was over there. Now I'm over here. Sure. I'll bring all my shoes and my, my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror Eating pasta, primavera, feeding caca, be together People never know the wild shit we might say Grew up on Eddie Murphy, Jerky Boys, and Dice Play. I've been waking up nights, screaming Brooklyn Blast podcast Mama took my porn mags, jerkins, and a soft rags Easy when we talk about Mr. Ferrari Cause we go way back when we used to play Atari Sparked weed, taking shots like the Fratelli's RV Doing donuts in the parking lot at Arby's Car keys, now you can't leave, lock the door Please, Jimmy's on a mission. Time to start the intervention. Let's go. That's it. We're up right now. <laughs> we're, we're fucking recording, my man. I love it. Yes. This is like a, an impromptu round two. With, yeah, uh, just like a little, little like a, when a hardcover book comes out and then the paperback yeah. rolls out and then they throw a little extra in there. Like a little That's addendum. Fun. Wow, look at you. Look Damn. at me with the big words. <laughs> I was gonna use that, but I don't know if you knew what I was saying. Come on, man! <laughs> you know I play stupid a lot. I play the knucklehead Brooklyn no. idiot all the time. I know the word addendum. <laughs> I know. <laughs> now I know. I feel proud of myself now. Pretty good. If you could spell it, I would send you. Uh, yeah, what could I send you for that one? I think I'd send you a call. Yeah, I would get the D's messed up. I think it's A. A-D-D-E-N-D-U-M or A-D-E-N-D-D-U-M. I don't know. One or the other. Who cares? <laughs> Why are we talking about fucking vocabulary? What's up, my man? Right. Now, we did this shit, man. When was the first time we did this? Over a year ago. This was... Yeah, it was when I was out there for Thanksgiving. So, yeah, about a year plus. I'm going to say probably almost two years, dude. We've been fucking, this coronavirus has been going on for a year. Right. So it might be like almost two years. Yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Um, But, you know, now that you're like this big celebrity making the rounds. No. (laughs) Making (laughs) rounds, yes. uh, Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... For, for those who don't know, you should go back. I don't remember what episode it was. Do you? I don't remember what episode no, number. I'm not, not good with numbers, but yeah. Nah, me neither. Just... But we went for like a solid like two hours. And if people yeah. don't know, Narco is, uh, well, now we can actually say it like out in the open. He is a mm-hmm. uh, detective sergeant, the LAPD. Yep. Um, he is also the co-founder of the Delta Bravo urban exploration team and uh, just a fine upstanding gentleman. I try. Can't promise anything, but I try. Yeah, you and me both, man. I give it a shot. Sometimes you come, come up short and sometimes, right. you know, sometimes you have a good day. But um, yeah, man, it was, uh, it was very cool that I had saw, I th- I'm in Facebook jail right now, but. <laughs> Are you? I am. Uh, but I saw on the Delta Bravo page, I saw our mutual friend, Danny Boy, had uh, posted a screenshot of you. And I was like, wow, that's pretty fucking cool, man. So now it, was, it took me a couple of days to get like, you know, situated and to actually sit down and watch it. But yep. you were on a pretty, I think it might still be like number one on Netflix is the, uh, 
what was it? The, the, the vanishing at the Cecil hotel crime scene, the vanishing at the Cecil hotel. And I, I was like, that's fucking great. And then me, me, me and my girl was sitting there watching. Next thing you know, it's like, you're right at the beginning. We're like, oh shit, it's fucking Mako. Like, it's kind of <laughs> cool, man. It's kind of strange. Like somebody that you know, it's all right. But what I found oh. a little bit strange, because I do know you, um, mm-hmm. and I did know your government name, uh, yep. but that was out there. And, and I kind of was like, all right, well, I don't know how that all happened knowing, you know, since I know some of your past in, you know, in law enforcement and what you've done. And I was surprised that your government was out there. Yeah. It's like everyone knows Ghostface Killers. Uh, that's not his real name. So Dennis Cole, yeah, we all, yeah, we all <laughs> got our uh, B-boy name. So, uh, right. my B-boy name. So there was no use to use of, uh, using the government name. Right. Uh, evidently in Hollywood with credits and all this other stuff, they have to use your real name for legality purposes and all that stuff like whatever, you know, no factor. I've got nothing to hide. So yeah. It, uh, that's where it is. Um it was strange at, at when I guess they released this stuff at midnight and by I wake up at three forty five in the morning uh, to go to work and I already had a message. Hey, I saw you on this documentary. Holy cow, you know, like wow, like it's just been out for three hours plus uh, and someone already digested it. And then, you know, then it calls in Texas, just, just avalanche of people. I mean, I know true crime's a, a big genre, but sure. I didn't know how big it was. And like it, it, when something drops on Netflix, people seem like across the world and, and within one week, everyone watched that episode. Oh, hell yeah. I, I thought it'd be spread out, you know, maybe, uh, you know, little by little, but, so something drops on Netflix that's interesting. The whole world's watching it. The whole world and this whole new thing, people binge watch it, dude. You binge. I watched it all in one night. I watched all all the episodes in one night, one sitting. You know, so you know, I'm I'm kind of spoiled. Like I still, yes, I still watch The Walking Dead, and it just came back last night. But I'm all caught up, so now it's like I feel like a child because I'm spoiled. I have to wait until next Sunday to watch this new episode. And it's very strange because of all this binging. And Netflix has been killing it lately with all these true crime things like the Night Stalker and all these things. So I'm thinking that, you know, on the coattails of all these awesome documentaries, these limited series that they're putting out, they put something out like that. People are going to, you know, people are all over that shit, man. Yeah. When, it, when I agreed to it, I had no idea. I thought it'd be a, a little small independent documentary. Uh, maybe a few thousand punters would see it. And, uh, you know, and uh, six months later, I said, hey, we're wrapping it up. Uh, we're going to start shopping. I'm like, okay, cool. And then the next call I got was, hey, we sold it to Netflix. I'm like, wow. I'm like, okay. That's fucking awesome. And then the next one, I found out that Brian Grazer and Ron Howard, a.k.a. Opie from Happy Days, yes. were the producers on. I'm like, oh, my God. I mean, it's like, this is going to be, this is something. That's big time, time, man. And then after that, whew, I mean, I had a big big footprint in mainstream media and the true crime world. So it's yeah. pretty interesting. And it came, it was, it was, I know that it was trending number one for a while. Like, you go on Netflix, it's the first big thing, number one. It's It's that. There's a little snippet yeah. of the trailer. Interesting shit, yeah. man. And, you know, I, I respect, I mean, you know me, I, 
I'm a flag waving dude. I respect the fucking the cops and our military and all of that stuff. So I always find it. And, I, and I'm a huge true crime guy. Like ever since I could remember, dude, ever since watching Helter Skelter on television when I was like seven years old, like something about true crime always fascinated me. And knowing what you do, I find that very interesting. Nothing but respect, man. And like, likewise for your experiences and um, the armed forces. Uh, oh, oh, well, yeah, my my know, experience. Is, uh, listening. Oh my. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I. I before I really got into things on that episode, I started off pretty much like. I'm not trying to come up here and say that I'm like this upstanding, you know, model soldier because I was a young, stupid kid. But yeah, man, I was I'm, I'm proud of of the short amount of time that I was there. But, you know, listen, things happen for a reason and whatever. But um, I mean, just stepping up. I mean, you're less than one percent of the nation serves yeah. in the armed forces. So just you standing up, taking that pledge, that that's. That's huge. I mean, no matter what you do after that, that's extra credit. In, in yeah. Eyes and many others. So, yeah, man. To that yeah. And it's like, you know, you know, this the same with, with, with law enforcement officers. It's like you, you, you swear an oath and you literally, you, you, you put your life on the line. Same thing in the military. It's like when I went in, I went in in 96. It just so happened that it was quote unquote like peacetime. You know what I mean? Nothing yeah. with the entire time that I was going, that I was in, nothing happened, at least anything major and nothing affected me at all. So I kind of just felt like I was just working for a, just a big company. That's really all it was. Sure. You know, except for when I went up to Alaska, they were a very, very, very active, very active base. You know, when I was in New Mexico, it was kind of drab and it was kind of, like the redheaded stepchild of the air force bases. They, they really weren't active. I went up to Alaska and it was a whole different thing. Like they would be, we would do these, uh, the hell do they call it? These exercises they would call them. And it would be like real time. Obviously nothing is really happening, but you would treat everything as if it was a real time event. Um, and there would be scenarios, Russia, 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 because I'm in Alaska, Russia's not far, you know, it's like right. right there. So they would do these exercises where we would have to mobilize the entire base and basically pack everything up in a certain way. And there would be chemical, like simulated chemical warfare attacks. We would be walking around in full, like the movie Outbreak, like full gear. Um, 12-hour shifts um, being bussed from the shop that you work in, in buses back to your dorms, mock decontamination showers, like all of this stuff, like it would be a real-time war event. And that would go on for like a month solid, like every six months, every eight months that would happen. And it was like no joke. It was stressful. It was strenuous. Like certain things had to like take a huge aircraft like uh uh and uh why am i being a jet a jet engine back shop where fighter planes are being fixed and it's gigantic it's like the size of like two full city blocks 
and the amount of equipment and engines and toolboxes and everything in there we have to put a specific way within within inches of regulations on pallets and strap them down and literally get them out of the shop in a certain amount of time and then have them loaded up onto C-130s and they do like a couple of loops around the whole base and then reland and then we have to unload. It's crazy. So yeah, readiness, so, preparedness drills. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. And it was really cool to experience that kind of stuff. Like without a doubt, like I don't know besides some of the Air Force buddies that I'm still friends with that were stationed with me up there or obviously military people, they don't know what the hell that is or they never experienced that. You know what I mean? So I do have some really cool experiences where, you know, they pull an engine into the shop and, you know, the pilot's like, you know, this engine is shot. You know what I mean? You know, whether it's, you know, a piece of a pebble flies through it and shits the whole engine out or whatever, you know, it's pretty cool that an engine comes into the back shop, a whole crew of guys come on, dismantle it and just dig into it and replace and fix everything and button everything back up. And then you put it back in the ass of an F-15 fighter jet. And then you watch that plane take off with no problems. That's kind of a really cool feeling that I had a part in putting that up in the sky, you know, oh, yeah. when, you know, and when, before I even joined the service, all I knew was that planes flew. That's all I know. Planes fly. I don't know nothing about it, but after a while with the training and stuff, and you have a, you put a hand in that, pretty cool feeling so yeah, you don't take it for granted anymore no not at all i mean it's it's a pain in the ass and it's hard but obviously there's there's gratification that comes with that and at the end of the day i just went off on a tangent but basically you're in the military because of possible war and risking your life mm -hmm. just like law enforcement and that's why i know that some of the things that you have done i find to be put it blunt take fucking brass balls and I don't even know if I'd be able to hack some of that shit but can we go into a little bit of stuff that might not have been touched on on other you know the market of the podcast that you've been doing sure sure uh, anytime uh, just, but just to, just to go back to that is those professions are very re rewarding just for those reasons where sure uh, everything that you that you do, um, it gives you more uh, gratitude toward, uh, you know, safety and security and what have you, because you see the elements that go behind that to secure that, and then you'll you'll never take that for granted. People just wake up and they just it's a free ride for them to have safe streets and uh, not to be in a militarized zone like in other countries that you know our military has a footprint in. And so it, it makes you realize how good we really have it. And oh. the people, you know, the majority of the people, they don't realize that. They just, this is all they've ever known. But until you've been in really impoverished, you know, horrible nations, and yeah. you see what the other side has, like, wow, we, we're bitching about nothing. I mean, we... Oh, yeah. We're the only, you know, the privilege we have is the privilege of being born uh, United States citizen. Sure. And that's... Uh, that's part of the, the, the reward for me anyway is, you know, not in it financial, but every day I leave Skid Row, which is like depicted in the Cecil Hotel documentary uh, very well. You know, like if I'm having a bad day and I see, and I, I leave work, I did, and I look at those people on the street, it's like my bad days, they would pray to have my bad day. 
Oh, I would love that. So all that other stuff that I'm thinking, it goes out the window real quick. Yeah, so, man. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's absolutely, man. I mean, I take the train back and forth to work every day and there's more and more homeless people out there. It's, you know, dude, we just got over like this freezing cold, you know, set, you know, like the last couple of weeks have been freezing snow and stuff like that. It's like, and you see these people outside and, you know, they like right outside the building that I work at, like literally in the street, right next to this, we have a restaurant attached to the building that I work in and they had that, their outside outdoor dining, like in the street, you know, and yep. literally right next to it, like in the street, there's like these boxes and, and people slide in there and go to sleep. And then it's just like, it's snowing out and it's, you know, so it's like, Oh, you know, you know, my, uh, what would happen? I woke up a little bit late and I'm stressed out because I missed that train and I'm running to work and I'm having a shit day. Like what? You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, and then like, yeah. as you're on the train, you stop at like, you know, whatever platform and there's homeless people on the train platform laying, laying on cardboard and all this stuff. And it's, it's, you know, for whatever reasons they're there that, you know, it's whatever it is, it is, they're there, you know? And, you know, like you said, man, my, 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 they, they would pray for my shittiest day. Correct. You know? Correct. So, so yeah, I, I don't take, I don't take anything for granted. I really don't. I've come from a lot of shit, a lot of things that I've done to myself. I've, I've, I've been there, done that. And so I know I don't have a lot, but what I do have, I appreciate, you know. And then you realize that you don't have a lot, but you don't need a lot too, conversely. I don't really make yourself happy. Yeah, I don't need a lot at all, dude. I'm I'm very content with a little bit. I'm good. I mean, that's that's where the beauty of um the hobby of Delta Bravo or Renegration comes in, where you could find out you could have a lot of fun just having a smartphone and uh having a good imagination. Yeah. And you know, being able to get mobile, go out there and explore, yeah, man, little money, and you know, in, in times like this, you know, COVID era, yeah, you, know, you realize uh, when you, people get break, broken down to their brain pads, what's really important in their lives. So, yeah, the lessons that were being taught with last year, which are enormous, that you know, I think you and I have been keen on it, but you know, good majority probably haven't. So, right. So, some people got to get force fed the lesson. So yeah, good. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll come out better for it. So yeah, hopefully man, it's, it's a, uh, it's a very, you know, it sounds so hacky at this point, but it's a very, very bizarre time. It's very different. We're going on a year now. And I always look at it. Like if you come out of this, you should maybe have learned something, a skill, anything you were able to do during this quote unquote downtime, if you weren't working something productive to event like, like Nikki, dude, there was so many things that she wanted to do before this all happened that she just never had the time to do it because she's always, I mean, talking 14, 15, 16 hour days every day, working seven days a week because she loves it. Not because she has to, because she loves it and just no time. And Dude, she picked up like, I don't know, eight different certificates and training things and yoga stuff, like like hundreds and hundreds of hour courses 
that she completed and banged out, which she always wanted to do, but never had the time. So she's coming out of this, like, forget it, like with all kinds of extra stuff and like more power to her. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You know, use your yeah. time wisely, man, because time goes by fast. And what are you going to do? Like when this is all said and done and hopefully we go back to normal in whatever capacity, you're going to be the same exact person as far, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's just yeah. what I take on. I don't I'm with know. you. Yeah. With you. So as, cause I'm, I'm fucking babbling, but, um, <laughs> I am, um, now you obviously you're, you're a cop, you're, you're in the LAPD. So now what I wanted to talk to you about, if you didn't mind, and if you want to, cause I know that you've done a lot of undercover stuff. Right. Now, can you paint? I would say thing? a lot of, I, you know, I've had my share of things that I've down on now. Okay. Well, compared to a lot, compared to what? You know what I mean? I yeah, yeah, my barometer is off. <laughs> yeah, I, me, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so, can you paint me a picture and the people listening and watching um, how maybe you were approached to do that? Did you volunteer to go undercover? Where were you as far as neighborhoods in Cali? Like, Paint the picture of like a day to day for the most part going undercover. Okay. While you're mentioning that, it just you know spurs old memories, things I forgot. Okay. Back in back in the nineties, I was working in a gang unit called Crash. Uh, stood for Community Resources Against Street Hoodlums, and it later got contaminated and made infamous by uh, some nefarious cops that. Was a Kind of like an intelligence gathering organization uh, unit in the LAPD that was back, back again. And the entity I worked was like a closed version of that, uh, less less uniform side of it, which is what was depicted in the movie Colors with uh, Robert Duvall and Sean Penn. Yes. And uh, anyway, we when I got into the unit, we had the idea to do what they call it a, a reverse sting or a storefront operation. So it was us in conjunction with ETF. And my uh, area of responsibility was all of the San Fernando Valley. So uh, trying to make a historical footnote, like kind of like uh, if you've seen the movie Fast Times at Richmond High. <laughs> of course. The valley. But you know, it encompasses, you know, it's like anything else. It's kind of like um, if the rest of LA is, is like uh, Manhattan, uh, San Fernando Valley is kind of like the boroughs. It's like the forgotten part that no one wants to fuck with. Queens, you know, just yeah. blue collar and, and below. Okay. So anyway, we stood up this storefront operation with, with, which is basically in essence, a, long story short, like a store. Just we open up a shady store and put the word on the street that we'll, we'll, um, we're going to buy stolen goods. Uh, whatever you got, we're going to buy. And then uh, with the, with the, the goal of you know arresting you know we'd buy stuff identify the people who were buying things and then arrest them afterwards so uh, a lot of that obviously was to cover so with uh, my New York bona fides they would uh, they would use me a lot for like you know undercover you know gun buys you know playing the role of like a you know, like a connected guy so you know before the vehicle so you can sit back the hair. Break out the leather jacket. Hey, like Donnie so, Brasco. Uh, Johnny Depp, yeah, like Johnny Depp and Johnny Brasco. 
It's awesome. Yeah, except I didn't buy I didn't buy Johnny as a as like a New York hood type of guy. He just he seemed like he was from I don't know where, but yeah, <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I just I couldn't wrap my head around that one. But yeah, kind of in that vein. So okay. I, I did that. That was like one capacity, and then I worked Vice Venice, uh, Venice Beach area where everyone kind of knows what that is. They've seen that on movies and all that. And that was more of like a street base where we'd uh, rest uh, pimps and prostitutes and go into whorehouses and uh, shady bars and stuff. And um, buying drugs and shit. Uh, you, can you still hear me? I hear. I actually hear you better. You were just louder. That was great. Uh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you perfectly. I think my headphones just took a shit here. All right, well, you're actually clearer and louder now. Okay, I can't hear you, though, at all. Really? Yeah, uh, let me grab my uh, other headphones here. Grab your other headphones. This is guerrilla podcasting, man, you know. <laughs> one, one minute. No problem. I'm going to do my sponsors. Generation Records. Follow them on Instagram at Generation Records. 210 Thompson Street in the West Village. Um, Dead Sled Coffee. Go to deadsledcoffee.com. Type in the promo code Brooklyn Blast, and you will get 15% off your order. Follow them at Dead Sled Coffee. Also, New Republic Printing. New Republic Printing on Instagram. If you go to newrepublicprinting.net, Check them out there. Screen printing, embroidery, vinyl button, vinyl stickers and buttons. No screen fees, no setup fees. Free UPS ground shipping shipped to any commercial address. New Republic Printing, Dead Sled Coffee, Generation Records. Thank you for being a sponsor. Back to you, Nako. <laughs> Sorry about that. You were... No, perfect time, that, man. I just, right? drew, I, I just threw my sponsors out there. It's fine. Perfect. I know you're big on the dead sled, so um, I got to get down with that. I, I think you were saying that what's the promo code Brooklyn Blast? That Brooklyn Blast. Or is it Blast for Brooklyn Not Blast? Okay. Brooklyn Blast. I'm definitely going to. 15% I'm off very your order. Anything over 40 bucks, free shipping. Can't go wrong. Yes. Yes. As yeah. you know, we're big coffee heads. So. Uh, it's, it, and even before like they became a sponsor, I was buying and drinking their stuff too. So it's not like I'm putting it out there just because they're a sponsor. It's actually legit no. coffee. Yeah, or I would only sponsor something I'm, I'm using. Why would I want to get a discount on something I'm not using? You know, forget right. it. Yeah. So yeah. I'm with you. That's like coffee. Check it out. Yes. Yeah, so where do we leave off? So yeah, I've, I've worked. You, you, were, uh, you, you, were, you were doing all kinds of undercover work on Muscle Beach. Yeah, yeah, not, not not particularly on the beach, but yeah, in that in that area of Venice, you know, Venice is uh, the same thing, kind of like um, L.A. is very polarizing. So you have your super mega rich and your super mega poor, and then everyone else is in between there. So, uh -huh. so when people in New York and elsewhere think of Venice, they have a, a different type of view of it of what it really is. So, gotcha. It's it's a pretty interesting place to work. Huh. And then I and then after that, I worked. Um, counterterrorism unit uh, within wow. that was attached to the FBI that was called the Joint Terrorism Task Force. And um, unfortunately with that, we have to sign non-disclosure agreements and sure. we have to have a top secret clearance. So that stuff, I can't talk about it just yet. Maybe nah, down the road. I don't blame you. But, I understand. 
But yeah, we got to deal with a lot of stuff involving national security and uh, developing sources and working undercover in that capacity. So that was that was a lot of fun to see the international side. Was you know you take that oath like you were talking about before. You take that oath to um, you know to uh, defend against uh, sworn. I uh, know swear an oath an oath to defend the nation against both enemies, domestic and foreign. Foreign so and domestic. Yep. We got to do that in a you know municipal policing atmosphere. So. That was pretty interesting. If, you know, got my little bit of payback from September 11th. So good to roll up some guys and Taliban and what have you and Iranians and all that. So really? that was uh, that was my motivation to go in there. Obviously, from you know being a New Yorker and working NYPD back then, and you know working almost a year plus down at Ground Zero. So uh, felt a little just you know little gratification justification of my position. Sure. Engaging in that. That's awesome, dude. I know that. Well, how would I know that? I mean, we don't, we never really speak about this kind of stuff, but that's awesome. I didn't know that. And good for you, man. I mean, a little bit of, a little bit of, you know, justification, you know, it's good. Yeah. 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 Fuck all that, man. Crazy. So you, you were on the pile for a while, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, Try to get. It just came back from the doctor's office, getting checkups and all that. So I try to keep that monitoring. Oh, you know, of course, different, uh, So so far so good, but yep. a lot of friends and comrades haven't had oh. that luck. So it's crazy. I know. I know one of my best friends. Shout out to my friend Chris G. Um, that was his first job, fresh out of the fire academy. He was. He didn't even know what house he was going to yet 9 11 first day on the job yes crazy so i remember hearing hearing you talk about that on the podcast where you, he actually called you and said hey probably won't be hearing from you for a while but he's going to give you a heads up which yes I yeah man yeah i was i was going to have him on to talk about all of that but i think i promoted it like the the coming soon thing i think i promoted it like probably a little too good because there i am like on instagram i'm like tagging like fdmy and this and that and this dude within like 15 minutes he calls me he's like dude i can't do it he's like because it it was citywide like every every firehouse in the city knew that he was going to come on and they frown upon anyone trying to come on. And I, I guess maybe they thought this is like for profit or whatever, or for some sort of fame yeah. or whatever to talk about that stuff. But it, it's like, he's just one of my best friends. We were just going to bullshit. So I respected it. Obviously I was like, all right, dude, like, but that, like, I wanted to hear his perspective on that, you know, and shout out. Yeah. To our should mutual, be out there. yeah and shout out to our mutual friend, Steve Mona, who was also mm-hmm. on the podcast who is a first responder as well. And I know that he gets checked up regularly and it's always, you know, a breath of fresh air when you walk out of there and everything is okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's a shame. Ago. I know, you know, it's uh, like, feels like five years ago. Yeah. But uh, to go back to your buddy, I mean, it's really beneficial to talk about it. I, I didn't talk about it for years and I haven't been back to ground zero myself. I'll, we'll talk about it when we get together with like say Mona and what have you. Yeah. But it's a shame that w- when you come under the, an umbrella of an organization, your, your, your freedom of speech gets throttled heavily. So 
I, I can't speak as the representative of, of my organization. So that's why I'm, I'm only allowed to say I'm a detective in Los Angeles, whatever right. anyone else says on there. And I, I can't control that. Sure. And I understand why they have those policies, but it, it, it's kind of unfair. And especially as uh, as peers, we have a very high uh, threshold or I should say, you know, we're really sensitive of who speaks and who doesn't because unfortunately you do get people trying to cash in on, you know, the name of whatever, whatever organization. But I, I think as long as you're there for the right reasons and, and, you know, speaking the truth and, and have a lesson behind whatever your appearance is, I, I'm all for that. Sure. But unfortunately we don't get to hear from the ground, the line organization, you know, the line foot soldiers, it's always the talking heads, which usually that, you know, much like the military, it's, it's, it's not, doesn't resemble anything of the true organization of itself. So right. the public kind of gets a skewed look of, of what's really going down. So that's why I try to, I've been trying to do this more often of giving a real perspective of, of what goes on in the street and what our guys are really about and, and what we're not about more importantly. And this time more than ever, it's, it's really needed. So yeah. that's why I try to get a little bit more of a public, public face of the reality of policing and, and who we are. Yeah, without a doubt. So you just you just said you ha- you haven't been down to Ground Zero again. You haven't been back. No, I just I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I really don't want to be down there. Uh, go down there and see it. Uh, especially, you know, you you talked about it as far as like the Freedom Tower. I'm like, I, I have no connection to that. I I was of, of your opinion of build both towers again and build them higher. That's the end of it. I, just, I don't need a museum. Just a little um, zing. Just just exact, but just. One floor higher each one. Just one. Just enough to be annoying to someone. You know what I mean? Just yes. one floor higher. That's it. Yeah, I see it all the time. I look at it. I'm just like, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy. And I, I, I went down there twice. Once it was kind of like by accident. I was meeting somebody down there. I, uh, I don't remember which street, but it was I was doing a podcast early in the morning before I got to work my, my last job. And I really wasn't thinking. I was okay. I take the train here, and I get off the train, and I just walk out, and there's the Freedom Tower. And I didn't realize that I was going to be that close. And I wrapped up that podcast, and I had like three hours to get back into Brooklyn to go to work. So I'm like, all right, since I'm here, let me just go and check out like the reflection pools, you know, stuff like that. And I went down there and as I'm walking, it was the first time, this was a couple of years ago. It was the first time I was down there and I went down there and it's a super, super heavy feeling, man. Being a New Yorker, knowing what happened, being at the twin towers back in the day when they were still there. And just, just the immense size of the footprints and the pools and the waterfalls but then once, once like I got over that a little bit, I just looked around at the people. And once I see all sorts of people with selfie sticks, taking selfies and smiling with peace signs with the pools behind them. And it's just kind of like, it was kind of like a mockery. It's, it's kind of like, then there's the museum where you got to pay all sorts of money to go and see shit that was there. It's, and then there's all sorts of high-end shops and there's, it's, it's just turned into the typical cash register. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and it's just like, 
it made me, it disgusted me. And I'm just seeing all these people. Make sure you take your selfies with your little peace signs to put on your Instagram. And maybe they don't know any better because some of these kids were young and they didn't realize and they just don't, they just weren't there. But for somebody like me to see that, it's kind of like, oh man. And I left and I was just like, I'll never go back there again. And me and Nikki and my daughter went there once because my daughter wanted to see it. And I went down there and that was that. But I have I never would have went down there except it was by accident at that time. So, you know. Yeah, I might one day down the road. I never say never anymore, but um, yeah. yeah, right now, I don't, I don't, I don't need it. Um, but uh, I like the, I went to an FBI class, uh, like a two-week school. It was like called like a post-blast investigation. And um, they, uh, they were talking about, obviously, uh, all the bombings in Israel. And they had a really interesting point of view that they taught us or not taught us, told us about that when things get blown up in Israel, they do everything they can to turn that place back to normal. So say whatever, you know, whatever block gets leveled, yeah. the net, you know, they start building immediately, bring it back to normal as fast as possible. And there's no memorial. They, they think a memorial is something that the enemy could go and look and say, hey, this is what we did. Right. We're proud of that. So they're like, no, this goes back to normal. You know, this uh, this happened, but we moved on. You know, no one's going to, you know, no one's going to be able to gloat and look at this and, and show what their achievements were. I like that. I, I thought it was unbelievable. And it, yeah, that's I what I wanted an awesome to see. Take on it. I yeah. like that. Yeah. It's just a whole it's the whole the, the museum. It's it's a tourist trap now. That's all it really is. It's just a tourist yeah. Trap. I mean, that's uh our country is a corporation, unfortunately, and that's everything yeah. revolves around money. I mean, uh-huh. everything's, you know, oh the, you know, the, uh, all you kept on hearing about, oh, the Wall Street's up, Dow Jones is up, my 401k is up. Uh, but, you know, everyone's miserable and, and on SSRIs and everything else. But, you know, that's that's our barometer is of success as a nation yeah. is uh, is the, the stock market. I, I think not. That's not how I. I run my life and I don't oh, see that either. working as a good way of success for a, a you know, a strong, passionate life. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe I'm the crazy one. Nah, listen, whatever. Anyway, we can go on about nine 11 and all that stuff forever. Um, yeah, yeah. So now how did they, well, I mean, you, you, as it said, you know, as you said on the, uh, on the documentary, now, you were down by Skid Row pretty fucking often, man. So yeah. it, it's it's like, I just hear about how it is now and stuff like that. But is it like, is it worse than what it used to be? Because I hear it's a shit show down there now. Oh, yeah. I mean, when I first landed down there in the 90s, it was really bad. And then um, and then as it got, uh, we changed our policing tactics and enforcement. Uh, it went down dr- drastically. And the area kind of uh, got gentrified, okay. and now, and in the recent years, as you know, things have changed. Like, you know, like it does in America, you know, you take your foot off the gas due yeah. to whatever social, you know, you know, changes. I mean, that's a whole other podcast. And sure. now it just got the madness just got amplified times ten. So, really? like anything else, it's, you know, we're always in a constant cycle of you know of ups and downs. So right now, it's definitely in a down, and it's spread spread rapidly. Uh, through the rest of the city where there's other like mini skid rows and say Venice and Hollywood and what have you. And it's, it's sad to see all the, the, you know, the good progress that we had. And now we, 
one step forward and two steps back. So yeah. it's disheartening, but you just get to being a student of history. You just got to know those cycles and the pendulum will swing the other way. And that's, that's, that's what I'm big on is just trying to educate the, the next generation of law enforcement and people in my community of, okay, you know, this is what's happened in the past. This is what's going to probably happen in the future. Don't, you know, don't let yourself get bummed out about what's going on now. It's like, yeah. just hold on. It's, it's, it's a ride. So. Yeah. Everything passes everything. You know, it's, I, I say it all the time. It's like, all right, like no matter what it is, it'll pass. It'll be over with. And then, you know, next thing you know, we were onto something else and Oh, remember when that happened or remember that time frame, and it, it'll all pass because being in New York, you know, it's like, Got to be resilient, yeah. Yeah, even like you know New York from like the eighties into the nineties and and like how it's like how New York was a war zone even in the early nineties. It was crazy, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's me running around like I own the place, like craziness. And now, you know, the, the, you have your pockets. You know what I mean? Now, I wanted to ask you like this is like the legit question that just popped in my head a couple minutes ago. Mm-hmm. Did, like being down on Skid Row and stuff like that, it's like an open air drug market, basically, right? Yeah, open air drug market and open air insane asylum. Right. Uh, if you opened up Bellevue, Bellevue didn't have a roof. Yeah. I lost you. What happened? Uh, some, not, not, you're good. You're good, man. This is this technology. Go. It's fine. <laughs> It's no big deal, man. When we're shooting the shit, it happens. Um, the Chinese the Chinese just throttled back the Wi-Fi for a minute. Um, right. <laughs> so where were we? Um, I, just, I wanted to ask you, like, during, like, while you were down there, during any time, like, well, basically anywhere, like, while you're on the job, was there any point where you felt like your life was in, like, imminent danger? Like... Right, like some shit can really like. I'm sure you have that a lot. Where, of course, anything can happen at any moment, but mm-hmm. like a really bad feeling or like something is really bad going to happen. Like, you know what I mean? Like, where your life was actually in danger. Yeah, um, I don't think I'm explaining that right. I feel like I'm a little no, no. I, I, yeah, I kind of. It's it's more vibes from people hmm. where I've, uh, you've encountered some people. And you just know, you could just feel like this person is, you know, if, if there was a Lucifer, you know, in the human form, this guy could be it. Right. Where you're just like, man, I got to really watch myself. I just, no matter, you know, how well-trained I think I am, this guy could give me a run for my money. Yeah. And uh, I, I felt it more on like the individual, individual let, uh, level instead right. of just like a scenario. Uh, thankfully, if, you know, I've never had to uh, use my firearm and uh the line Never. of duty so no thank god really so okay. yeah 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 i've always been really good have <laughs> good luck got the good irish luck yeah. and uh try to do things to mitigate that and been successful so far you know and um but yeah nothing that sticks out but i mean i've encountered some really really bad people um some some murderers in the past where you just they're just looking through you. They're not even human. It's like, you know, you could, you could smell the hate coming from them yeah. and uh, it just makes your skin crawl. So Jesus Christ. Yeah, man. It's, it's 
it's got to be insane. It's like I, I went through the only reason why I said open drug market. I think that was mentioned in the documentary on Netflix. And it just kind yep. of made me think of this one time where I'm sure you've heard of it. I don't know if you've ever been there, but have you ever heard of Kensington in Pennsylvania? No. Oh, dude. Now, <laughs> there's an Insta if you there's an Instagram page that somebody runs. They don't follow anybody, but there's a whole shitload of followers. It's called Kensington Beach. Maybe with an okay. underscore in there or something. Anyway. I was this. It, this is perfect because I was on a Delta Bravo mission, and right. I wanted to go. It's Kensington is where Sylvester Stallone's house is in Rocky. Oh wow! That's the area. Now I went. It was crazy because I didn't know what the neighborhood was like. Um, I heard it was a bad neighborhood, but. I didn't think it was that bad coming from New York, Brooklyn, whatever. I've driven through Brownsville and this and that East New York, whatever. How bad can it really be? You just keep put your windows up, you lock your doors and you keep going, whatever. Right. I went to go find Paulie's house. When, when you know, we pull when Paulie and Adrian, where, where, where he throws the turkey out into the alleyway. Right. 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 So I have the address and I'm like, all right, now it's like a Saturday, middle of the summer. It's me and Nikki and my daughter in the back of my truck. Mm -hmm. I'm driving down like the main avenue. I don't remember what it's called. I'm like, all right, it kind of looks a little shady, but no big deal. Then I make a right, and it looks, uh, this, this is not good. You know, it's, I don't know. And then I was supposed to make a left onto the actual block and there was dude there's dudes no shirts on all over the place all over the place in the middle of the street in the middle of the street sidewalks corners dilapidated everything with masses of people not doing good things dude and it was like the first time in a very long time where I was like, something really bad can happen at any second right now. And if it happens, I'm running people over. Like, my daughter is in the truck. If it was me, I'd be like, all right, whatever. And I would just, but like, my daughter and my girl were there. And it was, even Nikki was like, we need to get out of here. Like, we need to get out of here, like, right now. Because this is, we do not belong here. And, and I was speaking to a guy, the singer from that band, Done Deal, Jeff Gavin. And he's from Philly. So I told him, I'm like, dude. And he was like, yo, man. He's like, that place is like the biggest open air drug market. He's like, I don't get, this guy has tattoos on his face. He's just like, he's not scared of nothing. He walks through anywhere like he owns the place. He's like, there's no way. He's like, I'm driving around there and I got lost one night. He was like, I was legit shook. Like, it's no fucking good, man. So that's what I picture for some reason. That's because the only thing that, that's the only thing I can compare it to. That's how I picture Skid Row in LA to be. I don't know. You're, you're on the right track. Whenever you see dudes walking around without their shirt on and they're not at the beach, 
It's oh. in a bad spot. <laughs> nah, man. Nah, not at all. It's like 40 ounces and like no shirts on with like washboard stomachs and do-rags. And there's like a hundred of them in the middle of the street, like looking at the truck coming down the street. It's like, I don't belong here, man. And you know what? <laughs> I, like if something happens, it's like, you're an idiot. What were you doing here in the first place? You know what I mean? But it was right. just, if I would have made that left-hand turn, I don't know what would have happened. But just going down that one street, I was supposed to make that left. I was like, nah, man. And even the street that I was going down was no good. Even by my girl, I was like, we need to get out of here, like, now. Like, for real. Like, yesterday. Out. I was like, nah. Yeah. Red light, man. I don't give a fuck. Out. So yeah, I don't know what's in the water in Philly, but they're on a different level uh, of dodginess, man. I mean... Even uh, even on like the music tip, I went to see uh, Guns N' Roses down there uh, before they reformed with the current lineup. Mm-hmm. And uh, Axel, of course, didn't show up. Uh, he didn't even bother coming in. He was hanging out in the city at the like the old homestead or whatever. And the place erupted in a full scale riot. Yeah, dude. They just ripped that place apart. And yeah. then outside was equally as bad. Flipping cars, garbage cans on fire. Dude, it's like, about- it's like how, the Eagles win the Super Bowl. Why are you torching the city? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why are you torching your own city when your team just won the Super Bowl? What's the matter yes. with you? Yeah, I mean, I, I thought New York was raw, but then I got nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing I mean, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, it's fucking crazy. But yeah, he was saying, like Jeff was saying that the cops know what goes on there. They know. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a bind there, good luck, dude. It's like every once in a while they'll come in there and pull out like a body. And but it's like an, a free range open air drug market. And yes. whatever happens there, it stays there and let them all friggin' kill each other. And, and it's at least it's contained because they know that it's like nothing's going to happen. Like cops don't go in there. Cops are like, fuck that, man. I'm not even going in there. Yeah. Every once in a while, just to, you know, there's a report of a dead body. Someone got killed. Someone owed a lot of ODs. Yep. You know? Yeah. That's they, they talked about that on the podcast, a containment con- containment zone. They were big on, on that when they were asking me questions about that. So, I think every major city has like kind of like a their version of like a free for all. Just that you want to wild out, do it over there. Where if you once you go there, you know what to expect. So don't expect much when you go there. Yeah, so, man, it's fun. You know, uh, to work it is fun though. I I get off on it. It's, it's fun. It's a, it's, a, it's a challenge. I mean, it was, it's a challenge. A we, yeah, I don't know how the much shit fun we it can see be, on but... a, the stuff we see on a daily basis. You know, just when you thought you pretty much seen. Some of the wildest, illest stuff. And then, yeah. he, you know, your world gets rocks. You know, again, you're like, wow. <laughs> like, <laughs> wasn't expecting that. You know, it's unbelievable. You know, oh, I mean, the sure. he, humans, humans are a fascinating study. So I, I just love, I love the psychology behind it. And, you yeah. know, the primitive, primitive nature of how man could just, just, just appear. And we call animals animals, but we're the true animal. You know, mankind. Oh, absolutely, dude. Absolutely. I mean, Human beings the shit, are the worst. <laughs> the shit we've done. I mean, you know, dropping nuclear weapons on people. I mean, just leveling cities. I mean, we really got to think about that. Like, wow. Yeah. Just wiping out, you know, wiping out landscapes. <laughs> like, completely. 
It's like yeah. uninhabitable fucking parts of the planet because, yeah. you know, people want to show their, you know, put their chest out and show their muscle. It's crazy. <laughs> it's nuts, dude. It's so true. Yeah. Or it's like, like no other species on the planet does what we do. No. You know what I mean? It's like nothing no. actually, unless they feel, unless they feel threatened because they're, you know, they're young or te- like, it's basically like territory shit. It's like, it's so bananas. And we come up with all the sickest ways to kill people. Just like, like if you look, we watched, I watched Braveheart like mm-hmm. last night for the first time in so long. And Nikki was like, what the fuck is wrong with people? Like when they're torturing William Wallace at the end, you know, drawn and quartered and all the drawn hot oil on people. It's like we, we sit there and we devise like the illest ways to inflict pain and hurt people. It's true. not. But what true. does that say about me? Like, I love I, I'm fascinated with serial killers and true crime. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. I mean, I don't condone it, but I'm like, I, yeah. I'm more of like, I'm like, how, did, how does that build up? How did, how did yes. that Richard Ramirez as a young child, you know, no one just starts off that way, but had nope. it had to build, and then what can we do to to um, to recognize that in the early stages, and then and then mitigate it, and and then investigate it if need be. So that's that's how I take it as like yeah. from a step one, two, and three. But sure. uh, and it's it's crazy. It's like because they they also say that that serial killers have like that X factor because it's like okay. This person had a really, really, really hard, bad childhood. Like somebody like, I don't know, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer or something, who really wasn't an abused, like he didn't really have it really, really bad. It's like he wasn't like sexually abused as a kid or anything like that. But then he'll turn into this thing. Somebody who gets like, who I know people who have horrible, tragic childhoods and grow up to be productive, successful members of society. But right. then you have these certain people that certain things happen and that's what they become. It's like Charlie Manson, who was not a serial killer because he wasn't, but he might've killed a couple, two, three people, you know, by his own hand, maybe. But like that guy in the beginning, he never stood a chance, even from like his birth certificate. No name matters. He didn't even have a name. His mother tried to sell him for a pitcher of beer. Fact. It's like this kid had never, didn't even have a shot, you know, and mm-hmm. it had a boy's homes and this and that. So I kind of get it. Do I condone it? No, but I kind of get it. Am I fascinated with it? Absolutely. But there's always that X factor, like John Wayne Gacy, all these people. What is it besides the tragedy of their childhood makes them that way because like i said i know a whole bunch of people with horrible childhoods that are okay so yeah not not every person has a bad childhood is a serial killer but every serial killer has had a bad childhood you know it's one of those um right it's very one of those deals Mm -hmm. yeah i find that fascinating the whole psychology of it like what made you into you it's i find it fascinating and i don't know the answer but i always like to you know dig a little you know? I know what's even more fascinating is uh, how many females are into the true crime, you know, serial killer genre. It's, yeah. I mean, it's almost like uh, for every one male, there's five females that are into the genre, which 
trips me out even more. Yeah, what's up with and that? And I'm still trying to reach my, you know, wrap my head around it. I think yeah. SNL, SNL just did a skit about it. Uh, about the C, about the Cecil and Netflix and all the true crime genre. It's, oh, really? It's, it's, it's pretty interesting to see. It was you know you see all these gal like middle aged gals on on the couch with wine and binging on all these you know horrible you know horrible, horrible you know human beings and you know yeah. uh, things that have happened in our history. Yeah, and it's like, like why why would women be into this? I, I get why men we're. Right. Sick animals. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, I love a good shit show. I'll be the first one to tell you. I love it. if it's terrible and horrible, I'm I'm in, you know? Yeah. But like, yes. like even like Nikki was saying, like, she feels bad. It's like she's like, because this was at one point somebody's child. And like she feels bad. And then, oh, yeah. you know, at, you know, at first she's like, Oh, Ricky. You know, we're talking about Richard Ramirez. You know, oh, yeah. you know, and then like she's watching it, and then she felt like really guilty for feeling bad because of certain things that she just wasn't aware of, or I was. She's like, oh, mm-hmm. man, like, now I feel so conflicted about even feeling bad for this piece of shit. You know what I mean? So it's a weird yeah. thing, but horrible. Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you could feel bad for, you know, his family. I mean, can you imagine that? I mean, you're spawning that, that's your son, and then, you know, you're forever linked to, to that person. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, yeah. Nikki's. I think females are more empathetic. They have more in touch with the feelings, so they identify things yeah. uh, better and diagnose it as 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 opposed to us, where we just bottle it up and then it becomes a you know a rage of inferno. Of and course, then, uh, you well, know, Bill Burr says it. That's why. That, that's why guys die. You know, that's why guys you know <laughs> die faster. You right. know. You know, you yeah. can't pet a puppy, you know, you can't say until a cookie tastes good, you know, you gotta <laughs> hold it down, hold it all down, hold it down, and just right. bottle it up and then wonder why I fly off the handle. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah, my brother Jocko says, so stifle your emotions. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> That's how his thing. Yeah, until you <laughs> tap out and then kick the bucket. Why? You guys you never showed his emotions, filled with rage yeah. and anger. <laughs> right. That's true. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. Oh man. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Yeah. So now how, how did they approach you with this thing? I had uh there's a tour company uh in downtown LA called Esoteric Tours. Okay. And uh they specialize in in uh, like that whole film noir type of vibe and all the the underbelly of LA, but you know, the side that you really don't hear about too much. You That's know, the good stuff. On- That's where the good shit is. Yeah. So they were doing, you know, they're great historians of, of that genre in L.A. and then specifically downtown. So one of the producers tapped into them and um, uh, featured a heavily on the documentary. It's itself. She's like the name's Kim Cooper. She was like kind of like a little gray hair parted to the side, super well spoken. So they asked them, they're like, hey, do you know any policemen that work the area that, have, uh, that would want to talk about this stuff? So since I was friends with them. That worked Skid Row for many years. They they hit me up, so I was like, yeah, sure, you know, do a documentary, tell them about whatever. It was like a it was like a day at work. It was like an eight hour day. So it's funny to see you know four episodes, and then you know you get these little snippets here and there. But I'd love to get I'd love to get a copy of of whatever they filmed. Because you know, as you're going on and on, you know, spurring memories, kind of like this of things you haven't thought about in 10, 15, 20 years or whatever. And then you, you get to relive those uh, those stories again, which uh, it's pretty interesting sometimes. Yeah, when when the whole thing about well, her name was Elisa Lamb, right? 
Yeah. When that whole thing first came out, what did you initially think happened? You know what? I mean, it was barely on the radar. I, had, I was running my own investigations. And I think, what was that? Maybe in about, uh, I'm trying to remember, 2000, 2013, uh, 2013, maybe, or 2012. Something like I don't that. Know. Yeah. I mean, I was, I was saturated in my own thing. So I remember hearing, hearing about it loosely. And, you know, it's downtown LA. So just, you know, some of the illest things happen downtown. So like, oh, you know, it's missing tourists. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, interesting. And then, yeah, and then you're like, oh, he's found in a water tower. You're like, yeah, it's par for the course. Uh, uh, you know, you know, it's a bad way to go out, but I wasn't surprised in the least. I mean, there's so many mentally ill people roaming around there, and it just happened to be a tourist this time. If it was, I think, if it was just a like a homegrown LA native. It would have made that much of a splash, but when you throw in, you know, the tourist angle, that's always a big thing, you know. Yeah. And, you know, it's a, how you die, and then you know where you die, and who you are makes a greater, greater impact sure. on the story of how it gets passed around. And that videotape uh, so. of the fucking elevator not closing, and it's like, oh, why isn't the elevator closing? It's like she hit a button that keeps it open for two minutes. It's like, that's, that's it. There's no ghosts and poltergeists <laughs> and goblins, you know, someone shut it off. It's a shitty elevator in a shitty hotel in a shitty neighborhood. It's not like a five-star hotel where some no. weird shit happened. It's a, it's a, it's a, a, a flop house for the most part. You know what do you expect? Yes. My, my gripe though is when you get in an elevator and you do hit the door close button and it doesn't work, it's just like a placebo type yes. of just a, a fake thing. And someone, you know, you look in, you're like, I don't want this guy to get on the elevator, some shit right. or whatever. And you're pressing that thing like a madman's not working. You're like, ah. Now right. he walks on, you're like, hey, how are you? Yeah, you know you're gonna small chit chat. I'm not a fan <laughs> yeah. of small chit chat, man. <laughs> no, same here. Uh, it's nice out today. All right. <laughs> me and one of my partners who used to do a routine at work, uh, worked in a big uh big headquarters building, and we'd uh he was a comedian and uh you know before the PD. And so we used to do like little skits and I don't know who came up with it, but we like, Hey, let's get into the elevator together. Like we are strangers. And then I'll like bump into you. You'll get pissed and then we'll start going at it. That's so we awesome. do th <laughs> we would, we do that, you know, in, uh, Free you know, in the elevator, the elevator. With, with other people. Yeah. You're like, you know, you, it was like an interesting human study to see what people would interact, what they would say. And, uh -huh. uh, and, uh, if they would just, most people would just ignore it, you know, it's like, they would, you know, just uh, kind of get into like a small of a bit of a, of a corner of them themselves and then just let us go at it. And then some guys like, Hey guys, come on, come on. We can't have this, you know, no fighting. You know, like we all are on the same team. We're all on the uh, same team. Yeah. That is a yeah. good human study, man. Nowadays, yeah. nobody's going to do shit. Nowadays they'll get out their phone. They'll, they'll videotape. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, you'll be on, you'll be on, you'll go viral on some yeah. whatever fucking app. Huh? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, one of the benefits of growing up in a big city, you come into close contact with the people that are zooted all the time and rocked oh. up elevators and what have you. So I think all these people that had these, uh, little conspiracy theories of, you know, oh, this would have never happened. That would never happened. Just haven't really experienced life at a, you know, high tempo where you're like, Anyone that dealt with someone that's ever been on drugs, they immediately knew what that was oh, when they saw her just, you know, just um, just getting crazy and, uh, you know, just going through that psychotic episode and, 
you know, dealing with, you know, mental patients all the time. Like, yeah, just, yeah. you know, I saw that's that video. normal, abnormal behavior. Oh yeah. When I saw that video, like I've seen the video, but then I'm watching the documentary and they're showing that video of her in the elevator so many times. I'm thinking, man, I'm like, she's like on some kind of a hallucinogenic drug. Like I'm thinking she's tripping on acid or, yeah. you know, she's seeing shit. She's hallucinating. She's on some sort of drug and she's in a fucked up elevator. That's it. Yeah. Where'd she go? I don't know until the end. I didn't even know the end of that story until I watched the documentary because I didn't follow it that closely. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. I heard about it years ago, but I didn't follow it, you know? Yep. I was too busy living life. I don't know. My daughter was just born or something. I don't know. But yeah, I remember it. But I kind of almost, I think that a lot, I don't remember who said it. It wasn't you on there, but somebody had said that people almost want there to be obviously some sort of, you know, spirit thing going on or some kind of a ghost thing or like some sort of a murder or something like that to happen, some morbid shit that people want to be, you know what I mean? Instead of her just being, being mentally ill and deciding to take a dip in the water tower, <laughs> you know? Yeah, I think you just think as humans, we're, we just fall victim of uh, pattern, rec- pattern uh, recognition. So, you know, A plus B equals C. And right. they, they, they can't make that leap of in their mind if they haven't experienced it of someone losing, losing their mind and then secreting themselves in a, in a hiding spot. And then, you know, and then as the, the water levels go up and down, she loses control. When when you zooted like that, your fine motor skills aren't uh, aren't in the best shape. So now you can't perform like, you know, opening things and closing and what have you. And, and then just then situation and envelops and takes yeah. gets the work you know gets the best of you and so people just say like oh no it had to be a tourist all right she's uh um she met somebody it's a shady hotel uh someone killed them uh, and then they got killed and then i see in the news all the time the police are suppressing things so it's got to be conspiracy so they just add up all these things that they see over and over again in in the news and in their mind and they just come up with their own uh, conclusion or delusion you could say delusion and, Absolutely. It just, it just shows how dangerous it is to insert those opinions now in the public space and that has the ramifications that it has. Yeah. I mean, that, that's that's what I got from it. I, I had no idea about, um, you know, the death metal guy, Morbid. Me neither. Uh, that, 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 that was fascinating. That guy. that guy got put through the fucking ringer for no reason. Yeah. I mean, deplatformed. I mean, we, we think about that it's only for Alex Jones and these high profile individuals, but it's more likely going to happen to just regular punters like you and I of, you know, you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And some, um, some people could put their own little spin on it. And then your whole life uh, gets ruined from Crazy. people that can't accept reality. And, you know, part of that's, you know, government's uh, fault as well. You got to take ownership in that of, of having, you know, of, of lying to the public and uh, destabilizing the truth in, in, in public figures and, and um, and causing that you know, that breakdown and 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 trust with uh, the citizenry. So yeah. you know it works both ways. So that's the times we live in. So that's that's the lesson I took from that. It was more more about that than anything else. Is just how fragile you know people's lives are and how they could be affected by public opinion. Sure. And uh, I hope some people learn some lessons from that. Yeah, without a doubt. And it's and it's also it's, it's sometimes it's. And the way the way it was spelled out in the documentary and just put
put out there, it made complete sense at the end. You know what I mean? Oh, how, how come, how come she was naked? Well, you're in the water and you're trying to fight for your life. And what do you do? You take your clothes off because it's weighing you down. Like it makes complete sense. You know what I mean? So, you know, everyone wanted the spooky poltergeist story, but it's just unfortunate. It's sad that, you know, a mentally ill Asian woman, um, you know, didn't take her meds and passed away in a tragic way. It's just fucked up. Yeah. You know? Yes. Crazy. Yes. And then hopefully people could see some of those warning signs and family and friends and then take that as another lesson of uh, some kind of interventions and all that. And, and if they see it in strangers to do something about it, possible. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Crazy. So. But What's going on otherwise? What are you doing now? What are you up to? You just working? What are you doing besides doing the podcast circuit? Are you gonna go on any talk? When 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 are you going on fucking uh, Jimmy Kimmel? <laughs> or, Jimmy, uh, is he still on? I don't know. I don't watch none of that stuff, man. <laughs> I have no idea. Yeah. I was gonna say Letterman <laughs> at first. But... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's getting canceled too, right? On the oh, everyone's trying to cancel everybody. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> everyone's canceling everybody. I'm getting negative before getting negative reviews on iTunes for nonsense. It's like, hey, yeah. cancel, stop it, man. Come, stop. Yeah. Just, just well, I've been busy. What happened? I've been busy with work, and then you know, doing my own little side thing uh, with uh, podcasting as well. I got asked to be a co-host on a podcast called the Armbar Podcast. Well, yes, and, I'm familiar uh, with the Armbar Podcast. We, we we discussed it the last time you were on. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. So yeah, I've been doing yeah. that, and then uh, you know just trying to fill in wherever this this wave takes me. You know, just um, got a ton of podcast requests that span the spectrum. There's a, actually a conspiracy one coming up next. That's pretty interesting. That yeah. I have to, uh, yeah, yeah, it's more nice. of a what is it called? based this one. Is coming out next week. But what is it called? Can you tell? Oh, I'll, I'll have to. I don't know it off the top of my head. I have to go okay. through my email. Okay. But uh, so yeah, it, it's been you know spinning in like different directions that aren't in my lane. I did okay. a really fun one that I never thought I would even think about. But yeah, with yeah with some, this, with some with some I was gonna say well, yeah, with some chick. <laughs> yeah, some yeah. broad. Yeah, yeah. I'll, you know, yeah, I'm glad you said it. I'm like, yeah, some broad over there, but she has a some, good some dame. Some oh yeah, she's dame. great, great lady named uh, Heather McDonald. She's okay. a comedian, and a show is called. Uh, now I'm blanking. Um, saucy um, shit. I have, have to hit you up and put in the, in the show notes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, juicy, juicy, uh, juicy podcast. Oh, man, I. I'm bad with names. I'm What's blanking, name but it's again? on What's my... her name again? Her name's Heather McDonald, and it's called something spicy, uh, juicy, spicy podcast. Um, but as Heather you're looking McDonald's. up, I'll talk about it. Yeah. So, juicy, oh, juicy scoop, juicy scoop, juicy scoop. Podcast. Yes, juicy scoop podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, Heather McDonald. What I learned. Yeah, she has a. Huge. It's like like number 27 or something on uh, all of the comedy podcasts is right up there with Ro- with Rogan, which is crazy. It's yeah. something I never heard of before is it's not it's not, you know, marketed for me. It's right. mostly like middle aged housewives and all that. So <laughs> we were on there discussing um, the real housewives of Atlanta and uh, 
Army Hammer and Britney Spears and all these type of things. And, and then, of course, the podcast. And we did like a mock interrogation of where like her, her husband went missing. You know, everything's about missing people now. Right. So we did a little interrogation on that. And I just had a blast, you know, coming. You interrogated from, her? Yeah. Yeah. Right. She so a suspect cool. to make it all disappear? Yeah, you know, it's like every woman's fantasy is get rid of their husband after 20 years and you know, get the young stud or whatever and collect the insurance. But uh, so, yeah, just doing like a really fun podcast like that, where it's completely wasn't in my lane and then just opens you up to a, a different, uh, you know, different fan base, I guess you could say. Yeah. People that want to, you know, talk about whatever. So, um, so yeah, it's kind of, it's it's been an interesting ride. So we'll see where it takes it and then, you know, other people that hit me up in the last week about, you know, some type of true crime show in the future. So we'll see was, where it goes. I, I mean, ask that. I was going to ask that. Any, any more, you know, people that want you to come on to some some true crime stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I never set out to do any of this stuff. I, I just do it as fun. It's just like a hobby like Delta Bravo. So yeah. my main gig is what I'm doing and everything else is just a hobby. So it's the cherry right. on top. I, yeah. Same here, man. I do this for a hobby. I bullshit with people that I like and I do the Delta Bravo thing and I go to work every day. That's it. Yeah. You know, no yes. expectations. I do it just to do it, just to shoot the shit. And that's that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just, you know, good, positive fun. So yeah, man. whatever, just, um, yeah, just keep it moving forward and keep it positive. And that's, yeah. uh, that's for my, for my things I had just trying to, Stay healthy, stay fit, and have fun, and then just uh, spread love the Brooklyn way. You know. There you go. Have you been? Have you been taking your ice? Yo, people who are watching and listening, <laughs> you thought if I was it's it's Naco underscore right, or is it yes. underscore Naco? At, Naco at, underscore at, at Naco. Yeah, you just put in at Naco. I'm the only uh, idiot with that name on on a pub social media. So yeah, right. on Instagram at K N O C K O underscore. Oh, yeah, and and you do these things. I look at it. I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm sure there's health benefits, but you throw yourself, you throw yourself in a tub with ice, and you submerge yourself for a little while. Right. right. Yeah. Hey, what's the matter with you, man? <laughs> I think it's just in the blood. You know, my old man was a Vietnam Ranger. You know, I was just jumping out of volunteering for <laughs> Vietnam, jumping out of planes. I mean, just. We just got that wild gene in us, so yeah. whatever it whatever that seems like it's fun and maybe slightly dangerous and maybe a little bit beneficial. Yeah, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. So yeah, I'm just breaking your chops. I never did. Oh no, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all about just getting out, getting out. Basically, just you know, getting out of the comfort zone. That's yeah. what I've been trying to do the last you know couple of years of just challenge, challenging yourself. You know, as you get to that middle age i'm you know 47 so I'm like what else get out there could you know yeah i could challenge challenge myself and do so whatever comes up uh yeah. i just try to say yes you want to do whatever you want to do this you want to do that you want to go on that show and talk to this guy my like, yes yeah and we'll Why sort it out I'm after yeah i'm 45 Something. i feel the same way dude like there's so many things on my bucket list i need to do i need to go to the outsider's house museum i haven't been there yet it's like I need to get out there. Yeah. Yeah. My, my, you know, my goal is just to spend every drop of money I have doing fun things and uh, helping out people. So yeah, no, no time like the present. So I think that this new um, era that we're in shows that like you have, you have something that you want to do. Don't take it for granted, get it done. 
Yeah. Spend it, put it on the card. Who cares? Yeah, who cares? De- decimal points. Yeah, exactly. When are you coming back to New York? I'm going to shoot for Thanksgiving. Hopefully, I had to cancel last Thanksgiving plans. So, right. yeah, hopefully, see you guys in the flesh. Yeah, maybe at a concert. We'll that see. Would be cool. That yeah, would be I went nice. to my I went to my first uh, semi concert. Uh, I went to see, got to see H H two O do a live stream at uh, Toby's house. Which okay. was really cool. That's so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that's, that's, that's how I met that's how Derek I met Derek Green. Green, who was just on your podcast. Yes. Which I had no idea who he was. Yeah. And some, in my mind, I, I I just went back to, you know, my old days of recollection of the lead singer was, you know, Brazilian. Max. Yeah. Yeah. Max, yeah, Cavalera and all that. Yeah. So what do they One say? Oh, I, I sing for this band called Sepultura. Like it's not that. <laughs> no, we, we were talking about actually I had, you know, uh, my jujitsu gear on. So we were talking about Brazil and he was saying he lived down there for a long time. And um, so I was like, Oh, I was like, you know, there's not too many Americans. And I said, I'm like, what brought you down to Brazil? What had you end up there for work? Whatever. He's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Singing a band and all that. And you know, very humble, low key guy. I mean, yeah. as, as you see him, just a sweetheart of an individual. Yeah. And then they said, Oh, which band? Oh, you know, Sepultura. I'm like, Oh, oh. <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm like, wow. Yeah. I had no idea. So, yeah. They were always like kind of one of those bands that obviously knew of, but I never had like a friend or it never came down my, in my radar to sure. listen to them. And, um, but now that, that it, when you know oh, someone man. in the band, it makes it more special. You know, yeah, you feel absolutely. it more, you feel, feel it more. So uh, now I get to discover that just from going down to a show and just, you know, chopping it up with the fellas and yeah, it's man. great, you know, just like, uh, an awesome band that now is like boom! I could go through the whole catalog and enjoy this now. Yeah, what's and crazy? He he's been their singer for like twenty three years at this point. You were saying, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like Sammy Hagar. Like Dave was only in a band for a little tiny bit, and then Sammy was in that that whole time. And you know, you don't realize, you just forget. It. Yeah, you don't realize this is the real guy. Yeah, and uh, the stuff I heard is just awesome. So yeah, when man, you were like, talking about the different like, videos. It's like 10, 11 records, full-length records at least that he did, a couple of EPs, something live. Super humble dude. He was episode 200. Yeah. I wanted somebody, you know, singer for Sepultura. Cool. You know, super nice guy. Never met him in person, but super nice dude, man. Yeah. For that guy. Yeah, he's just one of those guys within like the first five minutes. This guy is solid. Yeah. Such Such a nice guy. Nice dude. And then... And then it's just, and then it's funny, like how everyone's related somehow, like him through Toby. And then I was telling him how uh, Danny Boy was in a Sepultura video playing Big John McCarthy, one of yeah. the refs in the UFC. And then my jujitsu instructors in the video as a little kid, you know, it was uh, Hoist Gracie's in the video. What so video? Funny, really? The, uh, I think it's Attitude. Okay. It's no, no shit. So, okay. Yeah. So you'll see. Uh, a young Danny boy playing big John McCarthy as the ref. And then uh, my instructor, he had on Gracie uh, as a little kid, you know, escorting uh, Hoist Gracie, who's everyone knows from the early UFC is just dominating. Of course. And so, so it's just great how people from all walks of life, we're all connected somehow. You just got to be open to finding those possibilities and opportunities and exploring that and being open-minded. So yeah, man. And with, and with Toby being a huge House of Pain fan and all that stuff, <laughs> it's, all, it's all, yeah, man. It's very fun. Yeah. Cool. 
Yeah, I was yeah, mad. No matter- I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, Derek Green. I just met him the other day at Toby's house. I'm like, really? Like, what a small world. Very small yes. world. Very fucking cool, man. Very yeah. Very cool. Well, good shit, man. Well, listen. Yeah, brother. Well. Um, yeah, so if 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 no one if if you're listening to this at this point and you have no idea half the stuff that we're talking about, check it out on Netflix. It's called Crime Scene: The Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. Um, Nako is in it. His name is not Nako in real life. Um, <laughs> my but, parents weren't that demented to name me that, but yeah, that's my b boy name. That's a hard <laughs> name, man. It's my son. I'm gonna call him Nako. That's good shit, man. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's uh, the Delta Bravo Urban Exploration Team. There's the group page. There's the Facebook regular page. There's the group on Facebook. Um, I run the Delta Bravo Urbex team on Instagram. Yeah, check out the Outsiders House Museum all over the place. Danny Boy's doing some really good shit. And yes. uh, yeah, man. Well, listen, yeah. always a fucking pleasure, Nako. And uh, Regardless of anything, stay safe out there, brother. Um, you have my Likewise. Utmost, you have my stay. utmost respect doing what you do. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I know that the, the media is, is stupid and insane right now with, with the way law enforcement is being portrayed. But like you said, you never even discharge your firearm. How long are you a cop now? Yeah, it's 25 years now. And so there so. you go. You know what I mean? So this whole blanket statement of, of a cab, which is the worst. It gives me douche chills when people say that, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just like, it just gives me, it's just like down my spine. I just get embarrassed for the people that say that ignorant shit. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's ignorant and it's just not what it is. And guys like you hopefully will maybe change the minds of some of these ignorant people about the way they look at cops. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we were primed up for it, you know, being into, you know, metal and hardcore and punk and all that stuff. You, you got you got that label automatically. So it's it's water off my back. Yeah. But it's more for people that, you know, aren't used to that. They didn't, you know, that they're not built for that type of uh, criticism or whatever. So, right. Yeah. Just hopefully put a different spin on, you know, what uh, what we're about and who we are and, you know, right. put a, a human human face to it, you know. Absolutely. So same thing, you know, all these musicians that you guys have that you have on and this, you know, don't take it. Don't judge a book by a cover like we learned as kindergarten kids. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. But there's so many. Yeah. A lot, a lot of adult babies out there, Nako. Oh, yeah. Adult is just something on your driver's license of age. And, you know, so there's kids with way more sense than people 50 years old. But, you Absolutely. know, we all we all have to find our way. Hopefully they. They do, and uh, you know, thankfully, we're we're doing it the right way. I believe, anyway. So yeah, I believe so too, so, man. But thank you for all these great podcasts you've been cranking out, Dude, and then the, yeah. the YouTube portions. I mean, I'm just loving it. I mean, we're in the golden age of information, and yeah. you're a mighty contributor to contributor toward to that. And don't take it for granted because you make a lot of people's lives happier yeah. by. Uh, exploring all these uh different personalities so a lot of people hit me up and especially like when when this whole pandemic happened that everyone's legit quarantined and stuff like i've gotten a lot of messages from a lot of people saying like thank you so much and you know i say it all the time it's like 
I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. I have no notes here. I'm sitting here shooting the shit with you. And that's what I do for the most part with everybody that I have on. I just try to keep it organic and, you know, like I'll go off on a tangent and then, you know, okay, now back to you. Like, that's what I do. And some people find it entertaining. Some people listen. Some people probably, obviously, some people don't listen, you know, but I've gotten nothing but good feedback and I do it because I enjoy it. At the end of the day, that's the only reason why I do it. You know what I mean? So that's it. If, if, if I'm, if I'm doing this and I make anyone's day better or I make you laugh somehow with my stupid Brooklyn <laughs> accent, then, 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 then what, what accent, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. I, well, well, I talk normal. I get, I do talk normal, but everyone says that I have an accent. Even Nikki says, she's like, do you hear yourself? And she's born and raised in Brooklyn. So do you hear yes. yourself right now? She'll have me repeat something. Yeah, <laughs> Brooklyn Blash Furnace. Do you hear yourself right now? I'm like, uh, yeah, I think I heard that one. I don't hear myself half the time. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. It was the worst that the first <laughs> night that the documentary uh, went out, and um, I, I, it took me like a, couple, a week, a couple of weeks to watch it all. Uh, it was just really hard to watch and listen to yourself. But uh, my yeah. girlfriend Stacy was listening to it, and I was trying to sleep. So to hear your voice in the background of your own house, yeah, and then see the glow of the TV. I'm like, can you turn that off? I was like, this is horrible. I'm like trying to, trying yeah. to sleep and then hear yourself. So yeah. In the, yeah. Begin- in the beginning, like I would listen to my, I would listen back to like the first, you know, several episodes and try to be like, Oh, like I say awesome a lot. I say this a lot or whatever. And I try yes. to like maybe change it up, but fuck all that, man. I don't care. I just talk and whatever. Now I don't even care what I sound like at first. I'm like, Oh Jesus, do I really sound like that? But I do. And I'm not going to try to change who I am. It is what it is. And that's that. That's it, brother. That's it. Listen, Taco. Thank you so much, my man. Salute. Appreciate you, brother. And we'll, we'll be in touch, whatever. You got my number. We know where we live. You know where we are. We're over here now. We're over here. I was going to say we're over here now. <laughs> Later, my man. Be safe, brother. Okay, you too, man. Best to Nikki and your baby girl. Thank you, sir. I will tell her right now. She might have even heard you. I heard her come in the door. All right. I'm going to do 10 burpees for her right now. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Later. All righty. Take care, bro. See ya. <laughs>